On today's podcast, we have Brooks and Hunter Belis. We are excited to have them because you may know Hunter. She has the podcast called Journey Woman, and her husband is Brooks, and he does not do many interviews, so we were pretty lucky to get him. He's done one interview on his wife's podcast, and now he's done yes. one with us. So. And I will say, I will say that they are both extremely brilliant, extremely yes. um, God-loving people, yes. and I learned a ton just talking to them. We talked specifically about their context and their marriage because uh, Brooks has, has been in the military for almost all their marriage. Mm-hmm. He just got out. He's heading into business school now, yes. but they got engaged while he was d- just coming back from basic training, I believe, Yep. but they dated before that. Yep. Anyway, they share the whole story. They share the struggles, the ups and downs. We asked them some pretty hard questions about how to maintain intimacy in all levels while Brooks is deployed at being deployed for more than half of their marriage. Right. So it was a really good conversation. Very helpful. I'd for say us. it's probably been one of our, our best interviews as far yeah. as what are some tangible ways that couples can stay close um, during their time apart. And I'm just sitting here baffled. I mean, God is just <laughs> blowing my mind with the things that they're saying. So all that to say... We hope you enjoy this podcast. We hope this episode, we hope you get a lot from it. And maybe you can share it with somebody you know who is in a marriage that is either long distance or is a military family because we believe that it will bless you. With that, we have Brooks and Hunter Belis. All right, welcome Brooks and Hunter Belis. From well, Hunter's from Journey Women podcast. Brooks is not. <laughs> Brooks is How pretty much like today? the force of the Journey Women podcast. I totally yes. would have quit without him. He's <laughs> <laughs> the hidden force. That's awesome. Yeah. How are you guys? What What is going on with you over in Texas? Yeah, we're uh, we're doing well. Um, we are just hanging out in Texas for the summer, and so no complaints on our end. Yeah, we wish you guys could be here. Um, we're living on Brooks's parents' land, and we have a nice little fire pit. And I just am envisioning us all sitting fireside right now because I feel mm. like that would be a blast. Maybe we get some candles going in here. What do that you think? Perfect. We'll get candles. You get candles. We'll have fireside. <laughs> no, that's weird. Just one fire. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are in some having some major transition right now. You want to kind of catch us up on. Maybe, well, maybe tell us a little bit about who you are, if for those that may not know you, mm-hmm. Hunter, and, you know, where you guys are from, and just a little bit of background about you guys. <laughs> I'm laughing really hard. And this hard. is real life. You can this have is, kids on the podcast, too. This is real life. Um, you can either restate that question or just accept the reality that our two and four-year-old just walked in the door <laughs> after nap time. Um, we're currently at my in-laws' house recording because we are in total transition right now. Brooks is in the middle of transitioning out of um, the military, and he'll be starting Tuck Business School at Dartmouth in the fall. And so we had a little nice. bit of lag time in the summer, um, and we had the opportunity to come and stay on Brooks' parents' land so that we could see family because we're making the great trek from Texas to New Hampshire <laughs> in just a couple oh, of wow. weeks. So the summer is really comprised of us um, doing a lot of things in preparation for business school, me doing a lot of things in relation to journey women, and then also just catching up with family and friends before we make the trek up north. 
Awesome. And you have three kids, right? Yeah. I like if you would have asked me that, I'd probably have been like, oh, I have two kids just because I'm still in that like brain fog. Um, <laughs> we just had our third about five months ago. Uh, his name is Bo. And then we have a two year old who's about to be three. Her name's Davy. And then our four year old who will be five in November is Hadley. So it's hard to believe they're that old. Wow. Yes. No, we, our two-year-old just turned three this last week, and then our oldest will be six in December, which is crazy. And then, yeah, we're having another one in October. Probably. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Follow, we're, like, same stage of life. It's really fun. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we have all, we, we are, we make girls over here. Yes, all three um, girls. So we, <laughs> we thought we would at. be on that same exact <laughs> trek because they say, what do they say about military guys? Like, infantrymen, like, only yeah. have girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, was, I thought I was destined to be a girl dad as well. So, um, yeah, it would it would have been awesome if that would have been the case. So, yeah, yeah, I don't mind it. I, I always joke around, but I'm going to be like a well cared for dying old man. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> God willing, right? Like I was just. Yeah, I, I like I think it was a couple of weeks ago I was sick on the couch and they were like doting on me like <laughs> like hand and foot like bringing me <laughs> snacks and drinks and like just like patting my head and stuff, you know. So it was awesome. I it was love awesome. that. So Yeah, so Brooks, okay. So, okay. I am trying to wrap my head around this. Selena's a big fan of the Journey Woman podcast. I've listened to at least two or three episodes of it and it's very very good. Hunter, thank you for your work there and Brooks, I know that you probably do a lot of the work behind the scenes. You guys, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to wrap my head around the military side. So, Brooks, how long have you been in the military? When did you guys meet in in the in that context? Did you meet before or after you enlisted? And were you enlisted or were you an officer? And and then I'm curious about business school as well, but let's start there. Yeah, sure. Well, the fact that you know the differentiation between the two is that's you're already ahead of the the curve. It's impressive. Yeah. Uh, so I stepped out because our daughter came in, so I don't know what was said, but um, I've no been in the army for eight and a half years. Uh, I originally enlisted with the intent to become an officer, so I've I did a very short stint enlisted and have been an officer for a majority of my career. Uh, I met Hunter right before. I went into the Army, so the day I got the phone call from um, the Army saying that I had been accepted into officer candidate school was the same day, or the the day after that I took Hunter on our first date. So, Oh, wow. <laughs> we didn't really know each other before that, so it was a bit of a, a loaded first date of like, hey, and I'm Brooks, and I will be shipping off for the Army in five and a half months. So it was oh, wow. a pretty, pretty accelerated dating Timeline uh, didn't take me long to know that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with Hunter. So we, we got engaged right before I left for basic training and then were married within that first year of me being in the Army. So, yeah, that's that's kind of background for, for me. Um, wow, that, that is that is intense. And I think that's, I, I mean, for me, that's one of my biggest kind of gaps in my knowledge in terms of how do couples do that because <laughs> – I mean, that's like the freshest, you know, I mean, you, you are just started dating, you just got engaged. Now you're off at basic. Basic is how long now? Is it three, six months, something like that? Uh, so, so my training pipeline with basic officer candidate school, the initial um, infantry school that I went to was a year and a half. So I was wow. primarily gone for the first year and a half, not, not overseas, but uh, in a training capacity. So yeah, it was, but it was all new to us, and we didn't have any kids, and life was much more simple back then. So it was, it was a bit of an adventure. So what was awesome. that like then? What like the first? Okay, so you guys got engaged, 
and you, you ship off and then at some point you come back and you get married. What was that like, the early stage stages of your marriage and how did you, or your relationship in the early stages of your marriage, how did you communicate? How did you find health in that? How did you pursue each other in that? Um, just help us paint that picture. That's something we're foreign to, but I know there's a lot of couples who listen to the Fierce Marriage podcast who are going that there or have been there or are currently there. And so how, how did you guys navigate that? Sure, yeah. I mean, with, with you guys being in Tacoma, you're very familiar, I guess, yeah. with the military community there. So, yeah, we, with um, being in basic training, we you don't have your phone. So that's how we started. And so we just really primarily communicated through letter. Um, we had mm. just read uh, Eric Metaxas's biography on Bonhoeffer, and he has a lot of letter writing back and forth to his fiance, and so that really mm. inspired us. And so, um, yeah, we, we primarily com- communicated through uh, written letters, very old school. And awesome we, school. We really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish, we, I wish we still did more of that, but mm-hmm. um, as we gained access to technology, our communication means shifted. So, yeah, we, that, that was kind of the communication piece. Uh, but going into the military, uh, both of us were exhorted to essentially find people and mentors and close friends who knew us well before I started my time, before we started our marriage. And so that was a very key piece to kind of kind of our, our relationship. So that was that was um, a piece that that was really encouraged for me to, to, to seek out guys and to be very proactive and asking them to be a part of my life. And so I feel like as we went through that first, you know, year and a half of primarily being away from one another, that was something that was very important and, and setting that precedent early allowed us to continue, um, in that throughout our, our time in the army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's huge because I don't think Ryan and I, I mean, even to this day, we have few mentors that we feel like we can run to and especially in the early days of our marriage I mean I would have given anything to have people that I could really just lean into and be a part of um you know their family or understand you know because we all have these different shortcomings within our families of origin or things that you know we just take into marriage and and I think that's so awesome how God maybe used that time away to Mm -hmm. really make that foundational for you both to have people in your lives involved in your marriage mm-hmm. um, at a distance while you guys were at a distance. Yeah. Now, Hunter, were you doing that on your on your end as well? Yeah, I think this is actually where I became really passionate about being involved in the local church context. Um, we should have like a whole series on that on Journey Women because uh, it was such a help to me and a blessing to be involved in a really healthy local church so that I could have women who had gone before me in those struggles, whether it be just the logistics of navigating military life or even just communication struggles, like you said, Selena, just mm. marriage and all the stuff that, um, you know, you face when you're walking out that re- covenant relationship and um, the covenant community was just such a blessing. And then I found that, you know, as I pressed in there, Um, and had women that were uh, older than me and then women that, um, you know, were kind of walking alongside me in really similar situations. Um, I was just able to even practice some of the things that you would 
normally practice in the context of your marriage, just like communication and things like that. Mm. And God really Mm. grew me. Um, And then also just continued to give me um, a hunger for the word and for truth. And I grew in godliness and and Christlikeness. And so it's really cool to see how, even though we were separate in proximity, as the Lord like continued to draw us to himself, not only were we becoming closer as like brother and sister in Christ, but also in our union in marriage. Hmm. And you guys were spiritually, I mean, talk about your spiritual journey too. You Did you both grow up knowing the Lord? Yeah, so we, we both grew up in Christian homes. We, we met working at a Christian camp in Texas. Uh, both went through kind of a nine-month discipleship program. And so we had very, very similar, you know, language and um, similar, you know, theological backgrounds. And so, yeah, I, I would say we went in, you know, very very strong in our faith. Uh, but I would say the separation really, it, it was looking back, it was a blessing because mm-hmm. we weren't able to be dependent upon ourselves. We were put in a very uh, challenging situation. Mm-hmm. And so it really, you know, we weren't able to just kind of relax and sit back and, and enjoy it. We, we really felt like we were in the trenches as far as mm-hmm. just needing um, Jesus in very, very tangible ways. And mm-hmm. so I, I think despite us being apart, it, it really strengthened our marriage because um, that first really two to three years was mm-hmm. was um, was a challenge. And so we, we weren't able to just depend upon ourselves or kind of create some, you know, just comfortable scenario. But we were able to rely upon upon Christ and, and the Holy Spirit just because we, we desperately needed it. So that's so that's so counterculture, too, that you would think. Mm-hmm. that time away that somehow your dependence on each other would be a, your, your your independence from each other in that sense right in that you're you know geographically not in proximity right uh would then somehow strengthen you i think that's obviously it's got to be the work, the work of the holy spirit mm-hmm. right and and the fact that god is sovereign over your marriage even before mm-hmm. you were married right he knew this all was going to be this perfect storm at this moment a lot of couples that ride into us i mean this is a huge issue is that they you know a wife will be at home and, you know, her husband is deployed and he's deployed either for six months or, or up to 18 months. Or Which I just want to jump in. You, uh, Brooks and Hunter, you guys, he was deployed for a certain amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. In, yeah. For the last eight years of your marriage. Yeah. yeah what was the tally on that, I guess, so before I, I get into the... Yeah, we... I've, I've, I've deployed twice. Uh, but when we thought back on the last eight years, we really... Any given year, I've been gone three to seven months. I never had a really long deployment, but I was frequently when I was deployed, it was on a yearly basis. And so, right. yeah, we were gone. I've, I've probably been gone half of our marriage, cumulatively speaking. So so how did you guys stay close? The letter, the letter writing piece, but also spiritual intimacy. I mean, so much of that is praying together. And if, if you're in a completely, you know, other half of the world, I'm assuming you were deployed overseas, Brooks. How did you guys, in the types of intimacy, how did you grow? So spiritual intimacy, physical intimacy, obviously that's that's like a big question mark in my head, but also emotional intimacy. How did you guys grow in those areas? Yeah, so uh, just tackle the spiritual piece first. Uh, we really just try to practice uh, disciplines uh, together uh, that cultivated our personal intimacy with Christ. Even um, though we weren't together. Even though we weren't together. And so, right. you know, our, our I guess our mindset was we're just going to dig deep into Christ. And as we rely on dependency upon him and try to establish disciplines together that, that 
we're united in, in a sense, like that, that that will allow us both to be growing um, in this, in the same direction. Do you mm-hmm. want to speak to kind of some of the practical? Yeah. It, like there's a sense of camaraderie, even though we actually never did um, these practices together, except for prayer, we would pray together when we would have an opportunity to talk on the phone. But most of the time when Brooks was gone, like we did not have an opportunity to talk on the phone on a frequent basis. And that varies like couple to couple in the military. Sometimes they have a lot of opportunity to talk on a daily basis. For us, it looked about once a week. And then sometimes we would go through periods where we would not even talk except for once a month, right? Or maybe twice a month. Um, And so uh, we would set our watches despite being in totally different time zones to a specific time. And we kind of communicate that on the front end, like, okay, you're going to be, you know, in Afghanistan and I'm here in Georgia. And so what time would it make sense for us to join together in prayer, even though we're not actually able to pray together over the phone. And so we would be praying for each other by setting like little alarms and things like that um, on our phone or on our watches. So anywhere we'd go, we would actually stop and we would pray. And I remember just like walking with friends in Georgia. I can't remember what time we set uh, the last deployment, but I would pray with my friends there for Brooks. Um, And then, yeah, it was a really precious time and it helped us just feel unified, even though we weren't able to actually talk on a daily basis. Um, And then Brooks, when he's gone, he really doesn't like, they don't get a day off. Like he doesn't have a lot of recreational time. Um, but he did set aside time to be in the word every day. And so we chose a Bible reading plan, just a real simple one. You can like find them online. Um, and we just read through those same passages every day, even though we weren't reading them out loud together, just to know that we were in the same portions of the text, kind of like absorbing, um, the same like portions of scripture at the same time. And that was just a real comfort to me when he was away. Hmm. What I hear you saying, what I hear you saying, or at least what I feel communicated, you haven't said it yet, is just the sense of priority and the sense of passion, right? And that you both are very passionate about knowing who God is and what he says, how he is, how he acts. You you both very clearly are passionate about that. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you made it a priority in that you made time for this in your life. And I think a lot of times we can we can get so distracted, right? I know when I'm by myself, and this is, I'm going to admit this, but when I'm by myself, I don't like rise to the, ch- I like fall to the lowest common denominator when I'm like alone, right? I'm not going to like sit down and read an awesome book. I'm going to like binge watch Netflix <laughs> for like four hours or like, and just eat a whole tub of ice Wait, cream, right? four hours? What are you <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm alone. What else am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I just want to I point that out because it feels like from that, from the spiritual intimacy, and I'd love you to talk on this, is that's where this, the other intimacies kind of give, they, they rise out of that mm. in the sense, or at least in a, from a healthy place, right? And, and as you were talking, this verse came to mind, and I, I love it. I talk about it all the time. It's 2 Peter 1, 3. It says, divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he has given us the very great and, and precious promises. And and so it feels that's what that feels like to me is that you you guys are truly mm-hmm. living and believing and living in light of this truth that we have in Him all we need for life and godliness, mm-hmm. and it all it kind of it, everything wells up from that spring right it's that spring of of Jesus that the, this intimacy comes from so from there I mean that's incredible prayer and scripture reading and alongside each other I know I feel so convicted. It's yeah, so well, good. I it's don't. So good. Okay. I, I feel perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the other intimacies. So, like physical intimacy. Clearly, you can't. I mean, physical intimacy when you're thousands of miles apart. There's some. 
there's some complexity there. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. How did you guys manage this? And Brooks being a guy among army guys, which I know what that's like. I've never been there, but I've heard. I've heard the stories and I have good friends who are, have been deployed. It's not a healthy environment, I mean, sexually speaking and stuff like that. So talk on that a little bit if you would. Yeah. So with, with the physical intimacy piece, obviously separated, so proves to be challenging. But the, the main piece that we try to establish and talk about beforehand was just maintaining open communication um, mm-hmm. just about our longing to be together and to be reunited uh, physically uh, was, was mm. really something that was was important to us and something that that kind of um, really just drove our mindset so wow. you know the shared hardship of abstaining from physical physical intimacy just made it that much richer uh, when I returned mm. so that was that was kind of how we handled it was just in our both written and spoken expression of how we, we long to be with one another again. Mm-hmm. This is a really challenging piece and I'm really happy that you guys are addressing it because I remember when we first got into the military, it was like, oh, we forgot about this part and nobody's really <laughs> talking about it. Um, and I think like the instruction, even in the context of like, Christian culture in and on a military installation is like really mixed. Um, So I just, I think it's a really hairy and difficult topic. And yeah, we just tried really hard to cultivate a safe space for communication Um, and then to express our longing for one another. And then also to encourage one another um, in our pursuit of, in our pursuit of physical purity and holiness. Um, Mm. And then just to be really quick to confess sin and to keep the small things small. So we would have like little conversations, like when little things were difficult. And that way we didn't find ourselves just down this rabbit trail. Where we're having to have these like really big conversations about things that we're struggling with, particularly sexually, because that can be such a hardship in the context mm-hmm. of a deployment. Mm. So good. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard anybody explain or talk about this. Right in such a a pure and yet pointed and contextual way. Like I just don't, nobody talks about it. Nobody sheds any light on it. And I, Ryan and I are just here like scratching our heads wide. eyed. just, wow. Like that is so simple yet. yet And it's something we can be practicing, you know, even when, if you're not deployed, but as a marriage, you know, if one is traveling or one is away from each other, how can we pursue that, um, that purity in that form. And you guys, that's incredible to hear. I just, I don't want to underestimate this. I just yeah. want to highlight how incredible that is. And maybe that doesn't seem super exciting for you all. Cause that was a, <laughs> a hard time, a difficult time, you know, but to hear that, I feel like that is just mm. God's word that needs to be shouted from the rooftops on how to tangibly pursue purity, how to maintain, you know, intimacy in a safe space and to keep the small yeah. things small like that. Well, and the the um, the emphasis on holiness, right? Mm-hmm. So many times we we just like it's like we don't want to touch that with the ten foot pole because it's it's scary. It feels like we can't ever get there. And here you guys are saying you're contending for it, although you, you're not perfect, mm-hmm. right? And then you're making those small, keeping the small things small. Yeah, um, yeah. So and you guys were talking about how you pursue each other and you're making it to each other, you know, from a physical standpoint, feel loved. Um, but how speak to the emotional aspect? I mean, obviously there's going to be some emotions within that, but maybe just shed a little bit of light on, you know, how you guys can, you, you stayed close and you've made each other feel loved in those times away. 
Yeah, I think preparing for the separation in advance is huge. And Brooks did such a good job of this. Like, I remember, okay, so we were married for, I don't know, two months, and he left for two months. So we had just like gotten a taste of married life, and then he went away, and I was not able to talk to him for that period of time. Um, and yet before he left, he had taken the time to write these little notes that he like stuck all over the house. And I'm telling you, man, I was just like desperate to get to hear from him. Um, and so getting to find a note from him was literally like the highlight of multiple days. Um, and all the notes that he left, I think the really special thing about them was that they communicated dignity and value and that they showed me, even though I wasn't able to talk to him, even though he wasn't actually able to tangibly show me, um, by doing things for me or serving me practically that he, cares for me and that he loves me. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, I felt like it fostered so much intimacy between us. Um, one of the things just like really practically that he, he did was he left this note and I still have it and I still reference it. And that was like over seven years ago. And he just said, you're a journey woman for Jesus. This is before journey woman was ever born. And he just wrote out like nice. what he mm-hmm. believed, like my identity to be in Christ and just reminding me of who I am in Christ. And I think those little things reminded me that even though we couldn't physically or tangibly meet each other's needs in that actual moment, we have a father who promises to meet every one of our needs, which he's ultimately done through the person of his son. So again, it's just that Christ-centered perspective Mm -hmm. and keeping Christ as the center and encouraging one another towards that. um, That was really huge for us as we were trying to foster emotional intimacy in our Hmm. Man, that's good. So, I mean, I, I have all these questions, okay, and but I'm just going to be honest. You guys have a you have a, a very unique sense of like spiritual maturity, right? And then I think a lot of times is not present for a young infantryman or an enlisted, you know, guy who's getting married. Maybe they're I don't know how old you guys were when you got married. Were you in your twenties? Were yeah, you 20, younger than that? Twenty three, twenty four, twenty four. So there's a little bit more maturity there than I think a lot of couples have, and I'm just being candid, and a lot of couples that come into us. So, I mean, where is that coming from? So if I could just kind of go off script a little bit, meaning mm-hmm. that you guys both grew up in Christian homes, mm-hmm. and, but there has to be a sense of spiritual maturity here in order for Brooks, for you to lead your wife in this way, your new bride in this way, in the first quarter of your marriage, <laughs> not just the first year, but like the first months of your marriage, you're already feeling the sense of headship. So where does that come from? Tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey, I guess, as people and getting there. Cause I'm wondering how a couple who maybe isn't this far along in their spiritual journey might be hearing these things, thinking this is just an insurmountable pile of things I'm supposed to do that I don't even want to do. Or I don't know how to do. Or I don't know how to do. Where yeah. does that start? Um, God's grace would be, <laughs> would be first place. Good but just with, with, yeah, Sunday school answer right there. No, with the, uh, you take no credit. Yeah, we take no credit. So, so we, <laughs> Talking back to where we met, though, at uh, Pine Cove Christian Camps, uh, there was just so many mature uh, believers there who invested in us, and both both as individuals and as family units, that we were able to see what it looked like lived out. Uh, not only just one or two mm-hmm. families, but in so many different families, and we I was able to just see so many men love their wives well and love their families well, and mm. and that I just. 
there were so many individuals that I looked up to and mm-hmm. I, I know Hunter had the same experience there. And so that was, that was the environment we were in going into the military. And so it was just, it was just an opportunity for us to, okay, we know where we're going and we know the hardship that we're going into. And so we're going to prepare as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think God has just mm-hmm. been so abundantly gracious because yes, that is an element, but then also we look at our families and We have had parents who have upheld the covenant that they made to one another, and that's just been such a blessing. And so we take absolutely no credit, but I would just, I guess, to speak to someone who feels like, man, I've missed the boat on this. Like, that's just not true. Like, it is a grace that you're even exposed and listening to this podcast now. Mm. And and I just look back at the times in my life in which the Lord is just drawing me to himself. And I'm like, dude, only he gets the credit, the glory, the honor, the praise. And so I would just say, if you find yourself discouraged, um, feeling like, man, you're not making the cut spiritually, I feel like that every day. And it's just really the the constant and consistent walk of uh, repentance and looking to the Lord and believing in faith and trust. And so uh, I, I, I think that it sounds, looking back, like it probably sounds more polished even than it actually was. But really, we just, only to the cross we cling. Like it's just, we just continually look to Jesus. And, mm. and so I know there's a lot of people that, yeah, may feel like, oh man, I haven't had the opportunity to go to a Christian camp and see families like that. Or I didn't grow up in a home where I got to see that modeled. But um, I still think that the Lord, uh, he can do anything and he has the power to redeem um, your marriage if you're struggling and you don't feel like you're leading your wife well. Like we've had struggles. We've had a lot of struggles and he's just been so abundantly gracious to us along the way. Yeah, I mean, maybe to the listener that isn't everything that you said and and part of that maybe just finding couples that you look up to, finding those people that you feel like you can be vulnerable with and share. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing for us is just pursuing them, you know, and and knowing how to, you know, don't be the crazy person that pursues, but (laughs) pursuing (laughs) someone. That's called stalking. Stalking, yep. That's not pursuing. Not pursuing. Um, But pursuing someone, you know, that you know, probably wants to be pursued in some ways and is is open to that type of relationship. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's so good. And that's been a theme throughout your, your marriage. Um, you like you want to say well, something? I'm just thinking through, okay, I don't want to derail this too much, but we just finished writing a, a, our, a manuscript for a book that was due like a month and a half ago. <laughs> and so this is fresh in my mind and I want to jump, you know, I want to shout it from the rooftops. We just finished it like, like two hours ago. But one of the things, the whole book's about transparency. And so mm-hmm. in this context... A lot of couples who are stuck there, a lot of times the the shame or the, mm. the sense, sense of regret will will cause us to isolate and go mm. inward when mm-hmm. we, we need the opposite. We need the complete opposite. We need to live in the light and yes. to walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with one another and be mm-hmm. purified. And so that takes kind of what you're talking about, Selena, is this like pursuing mm. those relationships. Mm-hmm. One of the things that um, kind of has been running through my mind is this idea that the the first step on like any sort of uh, like see through journey we call it this, it's called see through marriage what the book's going to be all about but any step toward transparency is the first step is surrender mm. it's the sense that I've done nothing mm. to earn God's grace what does Jonathan Edwards say I've done nothing I've contributed nothing to my salvation but the sin that made it necessary mm. something like that <laughs> so that's that that's that sense of surrender that says I I'm going to stop fighting to try and you know earn 
whatever it is I'm trying to earn. I'm going to surrender to, to Christ's lordship. And then the step two, step three, four, five, and six on down the line is to trust in his goodness. And so as you're surrendering in this way, trust that those people will make themselves known to you, that God will, will align your path with these people that need to be in your life so that you can walk in the light. And um, as you're struggling through the various things, in this case, being away from each other, being newlyweds, being young parents, all the different things you guys have been through throughout the life of, of your military uh, career. Did you have a question for them? No, just I'm just talking. <laughs> okay, I'm just asking. I'm just, <laughs> it's good. just no, it's doing good. what I do. Cause no, because I have I have actual like okay. tangible question, which is, it's all good. Um, so talking about like transitions, just getting real practical well, here, mm-hmm. you know, leaving, coming back. I mean, Ryan's gone for a weekend. We come back and I'm like, like <laughs> you know, things just kind of are, there's just these reentry pains. Kind it's of a thing. really big fight or a really nice, fun reunion. It's never like in the middle. <laughs> I feel like we always have a fight before, after maybe that's just me. Um, so how do you, and then kids, you know, there's this, this whole element of young children that don't have a real concept of time. <laughs> um, how do you guys, how do you guys navigate that when, when he did come home and mm. what did that look like for you all? That's good. Yeah. That's a really challenging piece because you romanticize their homecoming, like the entire time they're gone and then <laughs> they get back and you're like, Oh, like this is <laughs> normal. You know what I mean? It's not like, right. I don't know, a rom-com. And so I, <laughs> When Brooks comes back, I just mentally prepare myself like he needs rest. Um, I mentioned this before, but they legitimately do not get any time off Mm. when they're away. And so Mm. I just come to the table knowing that he's going to need a lot of real practical things. Like he hasn't had a lot of like the creature comforts and his favorite stuff. Um, And so, sorry, we have our four-year-old walking back (laughs) into the room. (laughs) Um, yeah, so he hasn't had the creature comforts that, um, I've been able to enjoy. And so I just come to the table knowing like, man, I really want to serve him and I really want to bless him as opposed to like, okay, you're home. And now here's the kids and, uh, I really need to rest. So, So um, my biggest encouragement is just to be gracious and just to allow this space to establish new norms as a family. Um, when he's been gone for a really long period of time, there's a lot of change that happens, especially developmentally for our kids. They're like totally Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. kids when he gets back sometimes. And so we try not to schedule a whole lot so that we can just rest, um, and reintegrate and establish new norms as a family. Um, and that's just always, I always leave a lot of dead space and it never feels like enough. So, (laughs) um, I think that's been really helpful, particularly in the periods of separation that have been like extended in their nature, but overall just maintaining a sense of charitability and graciousness with each other is so important. Is, is Brooks there? Was he ushering out your four-year-old? Yeah. So that's that's something that we really, that, that we talked about, just extending grace to one another in that way. Um, you know, even though I came home really tired, I also knew that Hunter was was in the trenches every day, whether that was with or without kid. And so there was an understanding on my part of, of you know, this isn't the time to just sit back on the lazy boy and watch Netflix and eat a tub of ice cream for four hours. But, hey, hey, um, hey, that felt like a jab there. But, you know, that, that, that I can help out. And I, uh, I think it was my second deployment when I came home. Our daughter was seven months old. And so mm. she, she didn't remember who I was. And so that, those are just conversations where, you know, we have to readjust to the new normal, right? So our mm. daughter was a much different person and little little baby when I got back than when, 
when I came. And so just trying to figure out, you know, Hunter would pick up the slack with a lot of different roles, things that I would typically took care of or handled when I was at the house. And so just trying to figure that out and just being very patient with one another and reestablishing our rhythms um, as as we're together in proximity again. So, yeah. That... Now, how did that work out from both your perspectives? I mean, were, were there times when you were more successful and less successful in the transition stuff that you've talked about? And how did that look tangibly? Yeah, I would say I would say so. And I, I would also say that part of that transition was debriefing our time apart mm-hmm. so that if there was any any bumps, bumps clunkiness clunks or things that, that we really hadn't had time to hash through while while we were apart that really those those debrief periods really helped mm-hmm. ease any of the tension that that was there so you know not all of our i would say our instant reunions were all always very very joyous but after that you know it was not always just smooth sailing right away so yeah, I can't right, remember right, specific right. examples. Mm-hmm. So. I think open communication is just so key because you do come to the table, whether you acknowledge it or not, with a lot of expectations. And so just to vocalize those to each other and just to talk through those can be really helpful in minimizing stress mm-hmm. and conflict when you're reintegrating. Love it. I Love feel it. I, I sense these themes, and it's this, the theme of communication with mm-hmm. you guys. That's mm-hmm. kind of just uh, an ongoing maintenance thing for your own intimacy and for your connection as a couple but also generosity toward each other, Mm -hmm. right? You seem very generous toward each other in those times when it'd be very easy to be selfish, Mm -hmm. right? When he's just coming home after being gone and he's tired, all these things, well, how dare you ask more of me? Instead, instead, Brooks, your posture is one of how can I come and help you Mm -hmm. knowing and understanding where you've been, Hunter, and Hunter, you're doing the same to him, right? And so what is, generosity begets more generosity. I just love that. So there's, like I said earlier, and we've touched on it before, but there's a lot of couples that are going through what you've been through. So specifically, I mean, what I'd love to hear from both of you on this. What would you say to the husband or the wife who, you know, one of them's deployed and they're not just deployed, but they feel like their marriage is suffering and marriage is, is potentially even not going to survive this thing. What encouragements do you have for those people? Mm-hmm. Our encouragement would be that if, if you feel like it's hard, I mean, you're right. Like it is, it is difficult mm. to be a part uh, but that's okay because uh, we aren't, aren't meant to be apart. And our desire just presents an opportunity to press into the longing we have to be with Christ uh, and to mm-hmm. remind each other that, that you are in him. And so if we, can, if we can maintain that framework of thought, that really, really helped us of acknowledging that's hard and that we need to press into Christ because of that. And that's going to help us get through mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're struggling with that, which like you said, there's a lot of people out there that are. And side note, much like all of God's people throughout all of history, like that's the story of God's people Mm -hmm. is like striving to remember who they are and how to live in light of that. Um, Grab hold of the word of God, like really simply. That's why I'm like so passionate about reading the word, like grab hold of the word in your time of need, and then make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are just going to be constant reminders of who you are and encourage you to remember and not forget the good work that God has done in your life. And just to, to encourage you to that end in your marriage as well. And so I think practically like coming to people in humility, like you mentioned, Ryan, just saying, man, we really need some help. And to utilize the tools that uh, the Lord has given to us as a body 
um, like our pastors and elders. And if you're not a member of a local church, um, just to get a great counselor um, and, mm-hmm. and then to to seek membership in the local church and then to be honest mm. about the struggles that you're facing, like you said, and then um, just to to ask the body to be the body and to come alongside mm. you um, in your time of need and to encourage you to remember and not forget. Phenomenal. Brooks, what do you say to, uh, to I'm assuming a husband or it could be a wife who's deployed, how do they connect to the body of Christ and maybe be a part of the quote unquote local church there uh, during their deployment? So I would say most of the, the work is done beforehand of, it, it, again, it depends on where you're at, but, you know, communicating to members of the local church that you are part of, hopefully, before you go, mm. of, hey, I'm, I'm going to be gone. And, and th- these are my circumstances, you know, I, I mm. have a lot of good friends in my unit or whatever echelon they're a part of, but I just don't have that community that I need, uh, that I, that I cherish. And so that would be that would be my first exhortation because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, just because the circumstances of life are different, it's just not, not necessarily a thought for people who are part of, you know, it's like, Oh, he's going to Afghanistan. He's going to be off the grid or wherever we're all over now. Mm-hmm. But um, that would be the first thing. And then, you know, there, there, there are other believers in, in the military. And, and that was, you know, that was one of the beautiful things of there was people that I usually would never hang out with, um, outside the context of being deployed and being being another believer, but we would really just strive to to spend time together and find unity in that. Uh, also, mm-hmm. you have obviously have the chaplain corps, uh, so that's another resource that you have yeah. of, uh, a you know minister or minister like person who you can really reach out to, and that's that's their full time job. That's what they get mm-hmm. paid to do. And so, those are a couple of the things that I would say. But the biggest one would be people uh that that who know you well who can and and this is what i personally use who knew me well before i deployed back home who i could reach out to and touch base Mm. with and just keep me on azimuth Mm -hmm. i think as a spouse too just knowing that even if they have really minimal time to encourage them not to not to be selfish with that time to encourage them hey you know, have you touched in with like your good friend, like he's saying from college, who knows like every nook and cranny of like his life and, and, and just to encourage him to spend time, the minimal time that he does have also connecting back with his brothers in Christ, whether that be uh, members of the local church from our, you know, town that we were located in or people that he had established, you know, these rhythms with prior to even entering the military. Um, that was always just a blessing to me knowing that man, like, yes, he's taking the one hour that he has this week and spending half of it, like talking to his buddy from college, but knowing that ultimately that's going to serve us really well in our marriage, um, because it's going to be such an encouragement to him and his spiritual growth. Love that. Gosh, you guys are so intentional and it's incredible to hear just how you're, how you're staying connected when you are apart. And I, I don't know this. I feel like this is just the beginning of many episodes talking about yeah. <laughs> relations. You guys, there's really good. There's really good yeah, business schools up here in the Northwest. <laughs> That's why you need to start. He's always trying that. to recruit people to Tacoma. <laughs> God's to country the north, to the Northwest. We're always on the hunt for great couple friends. So <laughs> there we go. Awesome. So we we like to finish with a with yes, a fun we question. We always have a fun question at the end. What was one of your 
most memorable or favorite dates and it does not have to be the same one you each can share one if you would like since we found that to work better most of the time go first sure (laughs) okay (laughs) well recently we took a kid-free vacation to belize and that was pretty awesome it was like a (laughs) week-long date i wasn't nursing or pregnant for the first time in four years and i loved it every single minute of it (laughs) It was just a really good opportunity for us to, like, reconnect and just to, like, remember, oh, man, like, there is life outside of, like, nursing babies, changing diapers, and waking up in the middle of the night. Like, it was was super refreshing. I know. (laughs) That's awesome. Foreign concept. (laughs) So good. Yeah, that's... That's that's hard to top. Brooks, what do you got? (laughs) She she, she stole mine. Memorable (laughs) or favorite? I mean, (laughs) different standards here. I guess the most memorable memorable date we had as opposed to vacation (laughs) yeah you got her on a technicality hunter hunter well this was very early on our our relationship but hunter uh struggles with with dairy as well as gluten and so pizza had been kind of this uneatable food for years and so she constantly lamented about how she couldn't eat pizza and so I essentially, and this was, this was well back before gluten-free and dairy-free was like rampant. Mainstream. Yeah. So I, yeah, mean, I got, hipster. I got, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I got, I got some disgusting dairy-free cheese and found some gluten-free flour and we made pizza. And I think, I don't, I don't know, do we grab like gluten-free beer or something? I, I don't know, but we essentially <laughs> made pizza and it didn't Pizza taste and beer good. became a thing again. Yeah, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't taste very good because the cheese was I thought just, it was awesome. But, yeah, for someone who That's awesome. awesome. That, that's cool. thought, so, yeah, that was, that was a really fun date, and we just had fun making the pizza together and um, talking yeah. and just kind of – I think we went shopping even. At the yeah, we well, did. So, yeah. Just to brag on Brooks, like, that's one of the themes of our marriage is, like, he just really sees me and knows me and then meets me there. And so it, that was why that date was, like, so memorable and so valuable to me because it's like, man – I heard you when you said you really miss pizza, and I know this about you. Like, you struggle to tolerate dairy and gluten, mm. some of the simple joys of life. And let me meet you right here with the goodness that is dairy-free pizza, even though it's not really that good. And so, it, hey, it was awesome. I ate it for breakfast the next day. That is awesome. I thought, I thought for sure you were going to say, yeah, we made this pizza out of this dairy-free cheese and this gluten-free flour. We made it. It was great. And then we just threw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what that's, probably, that's probably what we should have done. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you wanted to do. That is is awesome. Man, this has been a fun interview. We could go on for hours. I get the sense. Oh, man. Yeah. We are just so grateful, again, for your time to spend with us because obviously you are just moving on from one thing to the next, and God is growing you both and so alive um, in your marriage and in your family. So thank you guys for coming on the Fierce Marriage Podcast. Oh, Ryan has this. Well, I just want to give you one chance. Sorry. I want to give you guys a chance, uh, Hunter, to, to direct people to your podcast. Oh, yeah. Where's the easiest way to find the Journey Women podcast? Yeah, you can just find us um, by searching Journey Women, one word. That can be a hang up. Journey Women, one word in <laughs> any podcasting platform, whatever platform you're using to listen to this awesome podcast right now, which by the way, we are so grateful for. Thank you guys for the good work that you're doing. Y'all are just so enjoyable and easy to listen Mm -hmm. to. And we're talking about couples just to get time with, hey, yo, weekly podcast. I'm just saying. (laughs) There we go. Yes. 
That that could be fun. It could be chaos. No. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah, and the same goes for for you, Hunter. And I, and I know uh, Brooks, you're you're doing it just as much, even though you may not be the voice in the microphone. I know you guys are a team in it. And Hunter, the work, some of the work you've done has been so even just transformational for Selena and for us. We even got uh, one of your guests. We talked about his book after hearing it was Tony Ranky on. on oh, podcast. I love we Tony. He's that. so great. Um, so the work you're doing is having far-reaching impact, and we're mm-hmm. thankful to be serving Jesus alongside you. So, Brooks and Hunter, thank you so much for joining us on the Fierce Marriage Podcast. It's been a pleasure. It's thank been you. awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Brooks and Hunter Belis. They have been a phenomenal um, blessing to us, and I hope that you've been blessed by this as well. If you want to find more from uh, Hunter and her podcast, uh, just look up Journey Women, one word. You can find that on any podcasting platform. Uh, With that said, again, we hope this episode has blessed you, and we will see you in a few days. And until then, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.